Philippians, and we'll look in Philippians chapter 3. We, we only moved a couple verses last time, and probably only a verse tonight, but we've got a number of different series that we started, and we're halfway through, a quarter of the way through, and I'm just trying to go back and look at them and study some more, and this is one that touches my heart. We think about fellowship in the gospel, and I enjoy, I've enjoyed preaching from Philippians, and I appreciate that the book establishes the joy of serving together, and anytime we come together, we've got an excellent opportunity to examine ourselves individually, amen? We have an opportunity to, there's things that are in your life that are testimonies in my life, and vice versa. And we can come together and the Lord can use fellowship and always has and will use fellowship to touch us and to correct us and show us. And so we see this, we saw kind of last time a shift and we're, so we're in chapter 3 and we're going to look tonight at verse 9, but we're going to read verse 7, which is what we preached from last time. And we'll begin there at verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ, Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ. And so we looked there last time in the, the thought of our price, the price for Christ. What, is it, what does it cost? Uh, what, what's the price for service to the Lord? And we know that uh, there is a uh, aspect to our service to God that there's there's going to be a price we have to pay whether that be time or enjoyment or hobbies and we talked about how there's uh, hobbies and things that we used to enjoy things we used to love and things we still do enjoy uh, and, and 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 like but they just change they're not what they used to be and so my enjoyment cha has changed over the years in certain things things are not as important as they used to be uh, there's there's hobbies and enjoyments and endeavors they're not uh, they're not what they used to be. Uh, my, my desire and my career in banking, I had things that I wanted to do. I had positions that I wanted to achieve and uh, growth that I wanted to have. Those are not part of my plan uh, right this moment. I'm in the ministry of the, of the Lord, and uh, I'm blessed to have this opportunity to, to serve God in this capacity. And so uh, my endeavors and my, my career choices are not what they used to be. And so we see things shift and they change, right? Things just that used to matter, they don't matter anymore. Things that used to not matter, they start mattering at a certain time in your life. And so that's what we looked at in, in the thought of the price for Christ is that we, we want to realize that there's a price that has to be paid and we should welcome those things that are not as important like they used to be and those things that now have become important to us if we've been seasoned in our walk with the Lord. And then Paul shifts and and. He, he says a few things shifting from possession and desire. When you start uh, coming after Christ or following after Christ, when you start trying to follow his word and you seek after him and you let him guide and touch in your life, what you will see is there's, a, there, there's almost a, a gauge that comes up in your life of realizing uh, you can tell when you're walking closely with Jesus. You, you know when you're, when you're with him. And you know when you're not, there's, there's times where your tank gets a little full and there's times where your, th your tank is running over and I mean you just hook a tanker up to me I'm full 
I mean, it just, there's, day, there's weeks and days like that. And there's also times where uh, my, my mother, we give her a hard time about driving. She'll drive, we, we would, we would uh, coast in. My dad would say we, we'd coast into the gas station on faith and fossil fuels. And, uh, and so the, the last little bit of gasoline, we'd roll into the gas station and, and fill up. And that old Lincoln Town car would just be bouncing, rolled into the parking lot, going, uh, hopefully we'd roll up to a, to a pump. And we always did. Uh, but I, I don't like living that way. And when I realized that in my spiritual life, that I'm in that position, I'm running empty, I'm running low. This week's been very busy. I've had a very busy past week, and I just, it, it, I've not spent the time that I usually get to spend. I've not spent the time that I've wanted to spend uh, with, with God in my study. Um, but, but when I have had days where I'm like, man, I can, uh, you know, I can, I can just lay down. I could just lay down and go to bed, or I could just hang it up and, 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 and just call it a night. Or I can spend time with the Lord. There's always that question that comes up, right? Where's my tank? I'm empty. I'm full. And, and, and what we realize is that we start craving the things of the Lord. We start craving the things of God. And you realize that, that being full of the Lord, it's a beautiful and wonderful thing. Uh, that's how we get charged up. I, I come to church some days and I'm, I'm feeling empty. You ever been there? You just feel empty. Man, I get a lot of amens on that. You know what I'm talking about. I mean, you just come and you're like, and the devil wants to get you goat because he wants to tell you there's no reason to go. There's no sense in going. You ain't going to get anything anyway. And usually those days are the best days in church. You come on anyway, and all that happens, all that goes on, all of the situations that take place in life, and you push through and you persevere through and you get in the house of God and you get a blessing. It's a wonderful thing. None of that has anything to do with this verse, but... I guess maybe my thought going towards the thought of that gauge of knowing I'm full, I'm, I'm, feel, I'm full, I'm, I'm empty. There's a, the sense of righteousness, sense of righteousness. In, in other words, your position with God, your dedication to God, your, your, your cleanliness, spiritually speaking. And so we know our own righteousness is, is worthless. It's as filthy rags, the scripture says. My own personal righteousness, if I go on Josh, I'm, I'm going to be very lacking. But when I go on Jesus, I am victorious. And so tonight, let's look at verse 8, or verse 9 really quickly. Just a couple of thoughts here from verse 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. And so in the previous verses, he's talking of those things that, uh, all those things of gain that Paul enjoyed, the things that he valued in life, the things that he endeavored for, and the things that he chased in life. He talks about those things, and he says, And be found in him, and not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law. So he goes back and he's pointing back to, to who he was before Jesus. He's pointing back to, to what he had for, before Jesus. He's pointing back to his, his endeavors and the things that he enjoyed, the things that he loved, the things that he valued. That was his righteousness. To stand before God and say, well, I've got this, or I've got that, or I enjoy this, or I've, I've enjoyed that, or I've had this. That will not get you anywhere with God. To say, well, I'm this person. God's no respecter of persons. And there's a lot of people. Uh, I, I dealt with this a lot in in uh, in the in the in the banking world. And brother Sam, 
know Kenmere, I'm sure. Uh, if you work in any kind of customer service world, there's some people think a little bit highly of themselves. Am I right? So some of you are shocked and surprised. And, and, and I remember people would come in the bank, and they, they'd come and they'd sit down, and they'd say, well, you know, I, I want to do X, Y, Z, I want to do this, I want to do that. And, and I'd say, you know, I need your identification. You don't know me? Sure don't. Should I? Oh, yeah, everyone in here knows me. Ain't nobody in there knows them. But they think so highly of themselves that they think everybody should, right? And, and they're like, well, I got a million dollars sitting in the bank account. I don't give a rip. I ain't going to lose my job for some con man coming in here acting like there's somebody they ain't and me believing them because I want to know somebody and lose my job. I don't care about that. And you know what? Furthermore, it is you because I got your ID now and you got a million dollars in your bank account. I'll take somebody that's humble with 50 cents in their account. I'll be just okay. There's some people, they think a little highly of themselves and at times it's me. Somebody should do this because it's me or somebody should do that because it's, hey, we got to be careful. We, we do that in ourselves. But you see, there's a, there's a righteousness that comes with who we think we are. Paul, he says, he was the Hebrew of Hebrews. He was circumcised the eighth day. He's from the tribe of Benjamin. He's all these things. He has this big resume. And you sit down with people, and, and they, they, they think a lot of themselves, and they say, well, I'm this, and I'm that, and I'm this, and I'm that. You know what, Christian? We should get to the point where we realize we are nothing. That's not popular preaching. People don't like to hear that. You, you mean to tell me I'm nothing? I'm nothing but Jesus. You see, who I am through Jesus is more than who I ever could have been on my own. Everything good that I have and everything that I possess is of Jesus and not my own doing. Me and Shelby, <clears throat> we had kids and, and I mean, man, we got some cute babies. That's just me personally. I, I think we do. They take after their mamas, what Dwayne told me this morning. Much better than if they took after me. People say that. And we, we, we were like, man, we make some cute babies. And then we realize it's all Jesus. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have these beautiful little children. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't value these little babies uh, like we're supposed to. If it wasn't for him, we wouldn't want to teach them what we feel led to teach them. It's all about Jesus. And so my righteousness is nothing. My son... He, he takes after me in a lot of things. He is, I, I'm, I'm, there's, I'm not particular about everything, but things I am particular about, I'm very particular about. And he is, he, he, he wanted, I have my hat. He wants to bring his hat in. We're, like, we're just teaching him like, hey, leave your hat in the car. I wear a hat if I ain't got my slickums in. I wear a hat, I promise. But I had my hat, I had my hat sitting on the dash of the car, and he, he wants to set it up there. I said, set it up here with daddy's hat. And he did. But then it wasn't exactly like Daddy's because Daddy had his folded up in the back. Well, he took it down. He's trying to fold it up because it's got to be just like mine. I'm proud. I'm, I'm like, man, this is going to be one good young man. He's just, he's going to be like me. And then I start realizing, you know what? I would rather him take from me before he takes anything else. I would rather him take from me Jesus. My righteousness, if I can, if I can make somebody that's just like me, you know what I've done? 
I've just confirmed he's made of flesh. But if I can show that boy Jesus, he's still going to take some things from me, good things and bad things. But if I can show him Jesus, there's a different kind of righteousness. The two righteousness we're looking tonight, what Paul's talking about, he's talking about religious righteousness. Religious righteousness. And that means anything that makes you feel good about you. In, in other words, well, I feel okay because I did this, right? I'm good because I've done this, right? I've made up for these things because I've done this. That kind of righteousness is dangerous. God doesn't accept those kind of righteousness. If I train a child up to think he's something because he's my son, I've done him wrong. I've done him wrong. I should be the first one to say, hey, I make mistakes. I've done wrong. I, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not what you think. Now, I, I like him thinking I'm a superhero. I'm told there's only, that, that there's only a limited amount of time where you get that much grace from a child, but you tell me. I like that. But you know what? I don't want him to strive to be like daddy. I want him to be my, like my father in heaven. And, and I don't want to instill in him in a religious righteousness that would send him to hell. But instead, I would give to him a redemptive righteousness that we see Paul talk about. He says, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made comfortable unto his death. In other words, this, this righteousness that he found in Christ, it supersedes anything that he could have had before. It supersedes everything that he valued before. Man, if we could just grasp hold of this and realize that, that in this church, we're not, we're not here to, to breed egos. We're not here to, to think that, hey, I believe Mountain View is number one, amen? I think Mountain View is number one. Why? Because Mountain View is my church. Not my church, I own it, but my, I'm part of you. This is my church, right? Where do you go to church? I go to Mountain View Baptist Church. It's number one. It's number one. This is the place I want to be. This is the place I want my family to be. And I, I hope you feel the same way. I believe you do. Mountain View is number one. Why? It's our church that God has is, is blessed us with. We're, we're gathered as a fellowship, people together. And I'm proud to tell people I'm from Mountain View. And people come here and... We've had some people visiting recently. I've been talking with some visitors. and They're so thankful for how kind people are. I'm like, guess what? We've been here a year and a half. And it's the same way. People are still nice. Holy cow. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. But you know what? If my righteousness is Mountain View Baptist Church, I've gone wrong. It's got to go back to the cross. Why? Because he paid the price that we could have the, the, the ability to come and fellowship in this church. At the end of the day, it's his church. I, I'm possessive of the fact that this is where I go. But the ownership of this church, it was paid in full, bought by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus Christ. And that righteousness, that's redemptive. That's the type of stuff that when, when people come in here and people see what's going on at Mountain View and people feel welcome here and people start coming here, that they get to be a part of the beautiful redemptive righteousness that's here at Mountain View. That we don't develop a culture at Mountain View that's just religious. Well, we've done this. You know, and, and, and there's a dime a dozen of people that will tell you what they have done or what their church has done. Well, we've done this and we've done that. Look at what we've done. Look at what we've done. Thinking that all these achievements and accolades mean something to God doesn't mean a thing. Doesn't mean a thing. 
You see, the good things that take place at Mountain View Baptist Church, they're through and by Jesus Christ. They're through and by the direction of the Holy Ghost of God. It's not what the pastor did. It's not what any of us have done. It's not what any of us have brung. I, I was a controversial young preacher. The first message I preached in my home church was a, about tithing and how if you, put, if you put money in the offering plate, it doesn't mean you're buying stock in the church. That was a little bold for my first message at the church, but it's the truth. There's some people that think, I'm buying stock of the church. That's that, possessively their own. My church, I bought, I, I pay this. I pay. That doesn't mean squatting. If you're doing it for that reason, hold on to your money. We don't need that kind of money. Doesn't mean a thing. See, I want people that are give with a giving heart. I want to be in a church of people that say, man, this is my duty. I want to give. I want to help. I want to bless people. And if I don't ever get the glory, that's okay. Why? Because it was Jesus that did it to begin with. That's redemptive righteousness. That we could stand before God and we could say, I was a participant in a Bible-believing church that lifted up the name of of Jesus and that the community looked at Mountain View and we were not afraid to help people. That they looked at the community at Mountain View and they saw that we weren't afraid to love people. That we weren't afraid to, to, to love this community. That we weren't afraid to love people that have done us wrong. To love people that have said something against the church. To love people who have, have, have abused certain things uh, in, in the community. That, that, to love people that's done something down the road that we've heard about but yet we still love them when they're here. See, religious righteousness won't let you do that religious righteousness won't why because your pride will win every time now i'm not saying we should you you shouldn't abuse giving that's not what i'm saying but when you help people that's between them and god but it's also not another notch in our belt to brag about well i've done this or i've done that or we've done it that's not what it's about It's about Jesus. You can tell very quickly the intents of someone's heart when they do something. God's blessed me, so let me bless you. God's been so good to me. Or let me tell you how God's forgiven me. Let me tell you what he's he's forgiven me of. Let me tell you how he's he's changed my life. And I want to help you. I want to bless you. I want to love on you. That's the type of giving that makes a difference. That's the type of love that makes a difference. But that's what Paul's talking about is his righteousness is not... In the law, it's not based off of religion anymore. It's redemptive. He says, verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being made comfortable unto his death. If by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, Not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Paul's telling us about his pursuit in Christ is that, and he talks about, we preached on this early on, his being constrained to Christ. When I chained myself to Judd, do we remember that? I had Scotty's uh, Folsom Prison handcuffs. And I chained myself to Judd, being constrained. That's, what, that's a common theme throughout this book of Philippians, is that he's, he's apprehended 
of Christ. He's constrained to Christ that, that he can't help but be close to him. He can't help but desire him. He can't help but follow after him. Remember early on in your, maybe you're married, you've been married a long time, you've been married three or four times the years I have. Maybe you've been married for ten years, five years, whatever. But you have to be careful because as time goes on, the fire go, can go down, can it? Well, it's easier after five years to see negative things that you didn't see when you were first dating, right? I never realized they made that noise. I never realized they snored like that. You shouldn't have. Amen. You're supposed to find out about their snoring after you get married. Amen. I didn't realize that they had these habits. I didn't realize that they did this. Same thing with church, your job. It's easy 10 years into a job to think, man, I didn't realize all this junk when I signed up. It's easy to get cynical about things. You see, it's, your relationship with the Lord can be that way as well. If you don't stoke that fire inside of you, lit by Christ, hey, it's not going to go out, but it'll get down to just embers. And you think, man, I just feel so far away from it. See, what Paul's talking about is this redemptive righteousness, this relationship with Christ. It changed him and affected him in a way that he was constrained and he was chained to Christ, that he was apprehended of Christ, that, that he couldn't help but desire him. And, and, and I promise you that searching those, those thoughts and searching those scriptures and searching those feelings and, and getting, getting, down, getting down on your knees and, and calling out to God and asking him to, to refresh those things in you will be a benefit to you in your walk with Jesus because what it is most of the time is you're not paired with the wrong person. You may not be paired with the wrong church. You may not be paired in the, put in the wrong job. It's just that we're not looking at it like we're constrained to it. Like we're apprehended by it. We're not looking at it like we're pursuing. Because the newness wears off and we get disinterested. I just don't like it like I used to. Now there are certainly cases the opposite way. Certainly. I've been in those churches and I've been in those jobs. Can't say I've been in those marriages. Wife would kill me when we get done. But you have to work at all those things, don't you? i got to work to, to make this calling in my life to the ministry. There's some days you're just like, why am I still doing it? Preacher, it's not encouraging to hear, hear you say that. I, I, I mean, I'm just saying, it gets down in the dump sometimes. It's none of you, obviously. It's all the people that ain't here tonight. It, it gets tough. Well, well, why, why this, this career that I've worked so hard to have, I, I'm not happy anymore. I don't know why I do it. I don't know why I go. Lord, I pray all the time and nothing ever changes. Read my Bible all the time and nothing ever changes. I go to church all the time and nothing ever changes. Are you pursuing God? That's, that's the question. Because a marriage where you're not pursuing your, your spouse or, or a church where you're not pursuing to serve God the way that, that he wants you to serve him in that church or, or 
your personal spiritual relationship with Christ, if you're not pursuing that relationship, if you are not choosing, Lord, I'm going to come after you this morning. I'm going to chase after you this morning. I'm going to follow after you this morning. I'm going to seek you this morning. I'm going to seek you this evening. I'd say if you can't say, yes, I'm 100% pursuing Christ, then it's probably on you. And we need to search ourselves. Lord, am I apprehended to you? Am I, am I chasing after you? Am I desiring after you like I should? And I'm not saying that to be, to be rude. I, I fight that myself. Our righteousness is through Christ. Amen? He has, he has come in. I believe in treating other people's things better than I treat my own. Amen? Don't you, don't you agree? I, I, I think that's the way I am. And I'm not hard on my stuff because I'm poor. Amen? I got to try to take care of my stuff. It's hard to replace. I'm, I'm blessed. I'm just saying. You know what I mean. But if I borrow something of someone else's, if I use something, if I drive your vehicle, stay in your home, eat in your home, use something of yours, I'm going to do everything I can to treat it better than my own. Why? Because you have given me the gift of using something you have. You've blessed me to, to possess something for a short time, something you have. You see, our righteousness comes through Jesus Christ. And he has entrusted to us and he has given to us a salvation that cannot be taken away, that cannot be lost. He has engrafted, we has engrafted us into the family of God. And he has paid a mighty high price. And so I on this earth as a saved believer in Christ walk through this earth victorious over sin. Yet I treat my relationship with Christ sometimes worse than I ever should. You see, I've been blessed to be brought into the family of God somewhere I don't deserve, something that I didn't pay for. He's given to me, freely given to me. He didn't, he didn't lend me. He didn't let me borrow my salvation. I possess it, but he paid the price. And so I should be desiring Jesus every day. I should wake up wanting to fellowship with him. I should wake up looking to him. I should wake up looking to his word. I should be wake up looking into prayer and seeking, Lord, him every day. Desiring him every day. But the key is, is that I treat my relationship with him the way I would treat your car if you let me drive it down the road. With care, with tender care. Somebody says, will you drive my grandmother home? I'm going to treat your grandmother like I treat my grandmother. Yes, ma'am, yes, ma'am, I can go to Bojangles and get you a cup of coffee if you want one. Amen? There's some people I wouldn't do that for. But your, your grandma, I'm going to treat her like my own. Why? Because I value that you would trust me that way. Would you stay at my house for a night? Yes. Sit in one corner. Walk one path through the house. I don't, like, I don't like being in other people's stuff. I don't like being it, driving other people's vehicles. I don't like doing that. But if I have to, I'm going to treat it better than my own. And if we could just look at our relationship with Christ that way. Lord, you've blessed me with something I didn't deserve. And I'm tenderly and carefully going to work this relationship with you. 
that I get up every day and I realize that I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve what you've blessed me with. I don't deserve the fact that you sent your son Jesus to die for me. And Lord, I'm going to get up this morning and spiritually speaking, I'm going to make my bed. I'm going to keep things clean. I'm going to keep things tidy. I'm going to make myself presentable. There's a lot right there. That I'm dedicated enough to my relationship with Christ that it means something to me. Why? Because I didn't deserve it. I take care of the stuff I have, right? I take care of the stuff I love and the things I want. I take good care of those things because I don't want to have to face what it would take to replace them if we would only apply that to our relationship with Christ. If we would only learn how when we get so far, you ever been so far from Jesus, you feel, you feel like you need to start over. Man, I just, I, I've just ruined everything I've ever done for the Lord. What's so wonderful about him is he reaches right down, picks us up out of the junk we're in, wipes us off, and sets us back up on our feet. If we would just take those moments seriously and say, Lord, I'm going to make a change this time. Why? Because he's instilled in a, a, a righteousness inside of me. That's not religious. It's not something that I'll, I'll stand up before him and will fall flat. But it's living. I'll leave you with this thought. There was a story that I read of a circus. This is a little morbid, I'm sorry, but it's a good point. There's a circus out west. They were displaying a, what they thought was a body, a fake body, at their circus. This is back in the 1800s. They're displaying this body as a kind of a part of the show to, you know, circuses, they're just weird. I don't like them. But they would display this body, and it was just kind of a shock factor. Well, eventually they realized this was an actual body. And it happened when somebody else had purchased the circus. They realized this is a human body. I don't know, but I'd have been wanting a refund from somebody. You see, when we present our own righteousness to the world, it's just a deteriorating corpse. We stand before God on what we've achieved and what we've personally accomplished and what Josh has done. And who Josh was, how great Josh is, it's just a rotting corpse. I mean, it's just nasty. But you see, to this world, we can present Jesus Christ, an alive and well Savior. It's not something rotten away. It's not something scary to look at. It's not something... Shocking to experience. It's a live, well, and preserved relationship. Could you imagine finding that out? That's a, that's a shock. But man, when you have Jesus dwelling with you, you've got living proof of righteousness. Never, never touched by moth or rust. It's never deteriorated by salt or the rain or the storm or the winds. 